So you're a slob, huh? Well, not like a dirty hoarder slob. Uh-huh. What kind? Like a normal, disorganized one. Does your daughter live with you? Half the time. It aggravates her sometimes, but the thing is she and her mother are very, very neat. Oh. As a matter of fact, their favorite store is that, um, I don't know, what is it? It's the store with all the empty boxes in the store. Oh, the container store? Yes. Yes, the container store. Oh. The store that sells crap, so you can put your crap in so you can go out and buy some more crap. Hello, listening people. Burp, belch, hello. Burp, belch, hello to you, Mr. Bartek. How are you doing on this fine uh. day? <laughs> oh, some ASMR is happening. Oh, so that felt a lot more real than... Bartek, it was such a feminine burp from you of all people. <laughs> I expect a guttural manly burp with a scent of beard in it. Ah, like uh. what... <laughs> Like what you would give us, Mr. Ryan Slewinski. So that was a little bit. See, that was me burping. That was a little bit more, bit more guttural there for you. So, we are here. We're called Belch and Polish, likingly because we're always burping and we're both Polish. Well, I'll leave the burping to you. No, no, you, you, you burp, Bartek. I did burp earlier. It was the first thing I did. Yeah. It was the first how he introduced himself. Bartek is known for sneezing, burping, and coughing. And that's why you listen to a podcast where you hear all of those things. And we're here today to talk about movies on our show, Pictures Power Wow, the original PP, as we like to call it here, because The Contrarians, a, a podcast rival, uh, dared to name their segment Patreon Pitch, uh, a patron pitch as PP, which ah. we said first. We said this is called PP, and then they fucking stole it like dogs. Dogs, woof, woof. All this PP up in here. Bow wow, little bow wow. And we are talking about a movie that uh, I recommended, but we're not Why alone. Why did you recommend it? I recommended it. Why did you recommend it? Why, why was it you that got to recommend the film? Oh, because we have a psych... I actually thought, you want me to explain the history <laughs> right now? Because I, I was about to introduce our guest. I know, they, I they to wait. <laughs> uh, We have a cycle, you recommend a movie one week, then me the next week, and then the week after, the listening people. That is right, you out there can recommend movies to us. We put it in a list, and then we eventually get around to them and do them. So you have the power. Uh, no, I have and, to. I have to react to you answering. Oh, that's why. <laughs> and then burp. And burp. <laughs> Thank you. That was that I was mean, me. I did it. That's for me you. thanking myself for burping. Yeah, you did it while talking, which is <laughs> clearly talking as well. It's a very skilled skilled move you have there. Now we are joined by a guest who doesn't burp. <laughs> She's never burped. She's my wife. She's never, she's never peed or pooed or burped or coughed or sneezed in front of me. Well, she's a girl, so you know. She's a girl. She, yeah. she, because she doesn't do, do those. Uh, she does it in front of Bartek, weirdly enough, all the time. But when <laughs> I'm not, when I'm not around, I don't hear these things or smell these things or, or any of it. I don't. Somehow, see... somehow, I enjoy her company, though. So, you, or not. Weirdly yeah. enough, you love it. <laughs> and as her husband, that makes me very unsettled. But we're joined by the podcasting legend. Somebody who gets comments all the time from their listeners saying, I love her more than that other guy. It's Rachel. Hello, Rachel. How are you doing? Hi, Ryan. So you have a podcast. Do you want to tell everyone about it? We have a podcast. You and Bartek. <laughs> no. See, I was responding to you. So you, as in Ryan Slowinski, and myself. Mm-hmm. And we're, uh, we're doing something on there. Yeah, we talk mostly about sci-fi TV shows. 
You've dragged me through the horrors of Star Trek Discovery. Which is ending soon. I I won't believe it till I see it. Okay, so she wants to watch. You it. mean you I, heard that? You, you heard that? That's recorded. I think you mean that's like, recorded until you don't see it. That's recorded. She wants to see the end. She just said it. She's shaking her no, but the words said yes, yes. And we're called Yum Yum Podcast on that show, and that's a reference. And we're watching Babylon Five right now. We're going through a whole plethora of things, but for today on Spit and Polish Presents, I recommended the film Enough Said from uh, 2013, starring Julie Louis-Dreyfus and James Gandolfini and some others that were a nice little surprise to see. And for those who are interested, this is a movie that if I had to pitch it your way, uh, it would be very easy to describe. I would just say it is a romantic comedy about two people who are, you know, middle-aged, both divorced and they find one another and they begin to bond and there are some hurdles to get through especially when it comes to being both divorced and parents at the same time and that's all I'm going to give you that's all I'm going to give you it's two people later in life finding love you do need to note that it's an indie romantic comedy because that shines through a lot yes it's quirky uh, so that is it. If you haven't watched it, go ahead and watch it because we're going to get into it. We're going to get into the spoilers of it all. Now, I said at the end of our previous episode that I have not seen this before. It's been on my watch list. I didn't know too much about it as a film. I knew the the actors in it. I knew the general uh, pitch of it. But even then, I didn't know more than what I just described. So the twists and turns in the story were not known to me. Heck, I didn't even realize that the divorce aspect was going to be really key to any of this. Mm. I just was looking forward to watching a very sweet-natured film with two actors I enjoy very much playing similar-esque roles and also very different roles to what I know them for. For both of them. For both of them. And so I wanted to do it on the pod and Rachel has been wanting to come on the podcast for a while. She's been saying, please, please, please. And Bartek's been saying, please, please, please let her on again. I want to hear, I want to hear her burp. And I said, she doesn't do that on the pod. Not when I'm around. And I said, oh, enough said will be a nice one. It's, it's, it looks pleasant. You see the poster and you go, oh, I, I feel like I know what this movie will be. Just looking at the poster, you go, oh, oh. And so I felt Rachel likes those type of movies, those ones that make you laugh and make you cringe at the same time, but also you're enamored by a romance. Now, for you, Bartek, did you have any familiarity with this at all? No, no, I hadn't heard of it at all. Um, <clears throat> Obviously, I remember last episode... Uh, you were talking about how it's been on your watch list for quite a while. I think you mm-hmm. made it sound like it had been quite a long while. It's, since it came out, really. Okay, so like almost a decade. Mm-hmm. Um, so there was that element in my head of like, okay, there's something in this that Ryan is really drawn to. I wonder if it's like the premise or something, but it's sounding like it's just the the potential of like the two leads, right? Mm, yes, and mm. I, I like these type of movies on the occasion where you have your funny characters fallen in love and yeah this one has a lot of we've been doing this podcast for quite a while now and there have been a few times that we've done like you know the chick flick type films like bride wars or uh uh 
13 Going on 30. 13 Going on 30. The one that's in my head right now is Confessions of a Shopaholic. Um, this film has a lot of those kind of conventions, and it is, you know, a type of film that's kind of out of my wheelhouse, but it is, you know, amusing to come to every now and then. Would this be accurate? I said to you previously, I can't remember if this was on the pod or not, but this would have been a film your mum would have taken you to to watch at the cinema. Oh, you did say that. Um, and everything you described of that Simon Pegg movie you like so much. the Run Fat Boy Run? No, 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 no. The, the search, Hector. Hector yeah. Search for Happiness. Mm. I'm like, these movies, ex- like, they're not the same, but they exist in that, mm, that's a nice warm Sunday afternoon watch. I don't know if my mum would have invited me to go see this with her, but yeah, it, it feels like something she'd enjoy. Now, Rachel, did you know anything about this at all? Did you know this movie? Yeah. Yeah, I did. Um, I watched part of it in, like, 2014, I think. And I quit because I cringed too hard. I didn't know, I didn't know this. I didn't know you were oh, wow. you knew of this movie at all. Yeah, yeah. It was like, a, that looks like my kind of thing. Um. It was when I was going through a big phase of wanting to watch films that were distributed by Hopscotch. And when I was looking for those films, this one popped up. I can't remember if it was actually distributed by Hopscotch or was just like a related suggested film. And I got to the point where she figures it out and I was just like, no, and then I skipped through the rest of it, and I saw that it had a happy ending, and I was like, that's enough. Rachel is a viewer of media like that, by the way. Mm. That's how she watches her TV shows a lot, by it, skipping it, through them and then being like, Ryan it ended the lot. way I like, goodbye, I didn't experience a journey, I just had a destination. I just, uh, I just want to know what happens to them. <laughs> so, uh... Bartek, thoughts on Enough Said? This was a really interesting film. Uh, After it finished and I started thinking about it more, I started liking it a bit more. Um, Not to say that I didn't uh, like it while I was watching, but there were points where I was like, okay, I can kind of see uh, what it's trying to do here. I can kind of see where it's going. Um, But yeah, as it went on and there were some uh, developments happening and I started thinking about it more, I'm like, okay, actually, you know what? I actually like what's going on here. It's not a light-handed film. Yeah, I almost I almost hesitate to say that it's like really kind of a nice and uplifting film. Like it does mm-hmm. end on a happy note, but it's a type of film where uh reality hits the characters. Like I was saying before that it has these conventions of like the the chick flicks that we've seen before where it's like, oh, here's the kind of quirky best friend that she that the main character is like on the same level with. Mm-hmm. Um here's the, like the third act breakup thing going on there. Liar revealed. <laughs> Liar revealed, all these kind of things. Um but it it all comes back to this, you know, sense of reality where, you know, James Gandolfini's like just a really down to earth character. Um, the way he reacts to the situation is just incredibly realistic. It it doesn't really feel... There are moments where it feels, you know, like mm. written like there is a script, but, you know, the reality of like, oh, yeah, time has to pass before things happen. It's not just like, oh, two days later after some hijinks, we'll get there. Um, and there is a... There's like a central thing going on where... 
uh, the, the way the film's structured, uh, where it, it, weirdly enough, kind of reminds me of the film Burning that we did. I've mentioned Burning a few times when we've done the podcast of like, oh, we were jumping to conclusions, but like if we actually set it ourselves in the shoes of the characters, like things would turn out differently. Mm-hmm. Um, and that kind of thought process was what I was going through after I finished the film and thinking to myself like, oh yeah, this was actually quite a bit of a clever film. Yeah. So one of the things that I really appreciate appreciate about it is it does follow a lot of the trappings of this type of movie. Like you just went over, there was the lie reveal, the breakup, the oh no, I'm spending too much time in my own head and I'm destroying the love that's in front of me in many ways, including with her own daughter. Uh, All of that is there. Uh, The sweet dinner scenes, all of it is here, but what really elevates it to something else, something more, and Rachel brought it up, it has that indie feel, and what that indie feel gives us is a surprisingly honest relationship and dialogue that you don't get as often in the more conventional mainstream versions of of this story. So it is a mixture of the outstanding, like truly outstanding chemistry of the two leads, Mm. but the really spot on dialogue that is exchanged throughout the, the film. There's, there's quippy dialogue here, of course, as well, but most of the scenes that stick with me are these these conversations that just really hit upon something profound, but they do it in a very mundane way. This isn't it's a, honest. Yeah, talking about movies your mum took you to. This isn't women. To- what was that movie? Um, was twentieth century women? Mm-hmm. Where that movie was like it's all about the quirky, yeah. snappy in, in this like, one postcard dialogue. Like, yeah. oh, I wrote I wrote this on a postcard and sent it to my sweetheart. Like, this is the opposite of that. Where yeah, it's like, in this the- one, it's actually in the world. Like in those kind of films, it's like oh, the dialogue for us, the audience to quote-unquote enjoy in this one there's constant reference like yeah he's really funny like oh yeah we're funny we're joking around oh, i want to stop being funny now mm-hmm. like it's actually part of their relationship dynamic it's that they're making each other amused and that's leading into their chemistry mm-hmm. if we the audience find it entertaining you know that's just kind of a bonus and he has a job that's specifically designed for him to have really specific reference points and so style of humor as well and style of humor as well now rachel uh you got to revisit this you got to sit down and watch it all the way through you weren't allowed to skip you weren't allowed to run out of the room and say no 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 i did stick my fingers in my ears a couple of times and look away though so what did you think i enjoyed it it is very much what i was expecting (laughs) But there was something comforting about that as well. Yeah. Yeah. And what were the elements of it that, that, that like, struck a chord with you? Hmm. I guess, like, for me, it's the way that it made me feel while watching it. That sense of getting a peek into these characters' lives, but it not being so intense like it's not like her life is going to be ruined and she's never going to find love again if it doesn't work out with alfred but albert albert he's fat albert they make a joke about that that's fine that's where i got that from um 
but it's just that sense of wanting to find and latch on to happiness when you find it. Hmm. I um so there's a dramatic conceit at the center of enough said one that most of the audience either knew beforehand going in or you figure it out quickly in the movie because it's a movie and it's one of those it's a breaking point for you as a viewer like are you, do you like this do you not do you buy it do you care which is our main character is in a friendship with the ex-wife and doesn't know it and then eventually discovers that and then decides what to do about it. And so for a good portion of the film, the film isn't treating it like we should be aware and that's the key. It's treating it like you shouldn't know yet. You're going to be stunned when she finds out rather than say the Alfred Hitchcock trick where we know the bombs under the table but the characters don't. And that is the really razor's edge of how you're going to enjoy the movie, I think. Because for me, I found that to be a little bit of an annoyance in it. If anything, uh, for a movie that's very honest and genuine and has really sweet scenes and dialogue, that there is the Hollywood crap that I don't want in this movie. And all said and done, it does have an interesting premise at the center of it. I like the premise, but you you know, I'm sitting here to talk to you to say, I didn't care about it. Like the movie wanted me to, what I was invested in was their relationship, just them talking and them going to the movies and them meeting each other's kids and seeing all of that rather than when's he going to find out and how's the ex-wife going to handle this? And when's it all going to spiral out of control? And, all of the stuff that the movie clearly is more interested in, even though the real meal that you're having here is the scenes of just these two old, you know, people getting on in life, you know, about to be empty nesters, just f- connecting with one another. Like that's the heart of the movie. But at the same time, I feel like the the overall direction and presentation is very much leaning towards that Hollywood drama of like, oh, there's a there's a secret bomb in this relationship that's gonna go off. Mm. How did you feel about that, Bartek? Um I was, Did you know? Did you figure it out? That there was an ex wife and she was the person she was massaging? Um it took me a while. I f- it's one of those things in retrospect I kind of hit my forehead and be like, how did I not figure that out earlier? Like it was almost around the time of the reveal that I actually kind of caught on um, because, you know, she's such a different character. Like, she's famous, poet, this kind of character. The other one, Albert, is, you know, very lower kind mm-hmm. of class. Um, but in terms of, like, that dual plot of, you know, the relationship itself, the thing that you're interested in, and also the kind of emotional journey that Julia Louis-Dreyfus is going through in terms of, like, the lie that she's holding or like at first it's not even really a lie but it kind of develops as she Mm -hmm. manipulates it more um i was interested in both obviously i wanted to see more of james gandolfini um because i think this might be the first thing i've actually seen him in like i know who he is i know he's in the sopranos Mm -hmm. Uh, he's got that look to him um there's a beard here that's the difference that's a difference i suppose um oh i've seen goodfellas apparently he's in that but i didn't notice 
Is he in Goodfellas? I don't remember if he's in Goodfellas. I think a lot of the Sopranos cast I think he's like a good... minor character, because I think I remember reading the trivia after I watched it and what? said that he was. Okay. Um, so technically second, but, you know. Um, but, and, yeah, I really enjoyed him in this. Like, I know that in The Sopranos, apparently he's quite a different sort of character. Yeah, he's a, a very different man. But He's violent. But, like, I'm telling you right now, this is the main thing I've seen him in, and it, how he is in this film is really imprinted on me, and it kind of reminds me of, you remember when we did Father Figures and all three of us really latched onto, like, Terry Bradshaw? Yeah. I kind of have similar feelings to him in this film. It's like, oh, he's so, he's so sweet. Yeah. and it's Big, lovable guy. You want to spend the whole movie with them. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's like, stay, 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 stay there. Stay there. Yeah, I figured out the dramatic conceit pretty early on. It was just one of those, oh, uh, okay, if I was a movie, what would I do? And Mm. what I think is good, though, is once it is revealed, and it takes a while to reveal, I think that premise is interesting. The, oh, I figured out that I'm best friends now with his ex-wife, but I'm not going to tell him. And I'm not going to tell her either. I'm not going to tell her either. And it is... I want to manipulate her to tell me if I should be dating him or not because I'm older in life. I've already gone through a divorce and it's been a messy process. I don't want to waste my time and energy. I don't want to have my heart break. She phrases it really well in the breakup scene. It, It is really well phrased. But here's the thing too. It's like that there, it's like that conceit. That feels like a different movie's conceit as well. Like what I keep coming back to is... This, to me, is just a movie of two middle-aged people falling in love and, like, what's that like? And, like, divorce and all that. And while that other premise that is here as well, it feels like something uh, like, uh, was it Failure to Launch Mm. with Sarah Jessica Parker, where that's more of an overt... And Terry Bradshaw. And Terry Bradshaw, where that's far more of, like, an overt, like, chick flick, blah. But what you said, Rachel, was like, but this is done through that indie artist lens. So it feels more artistic than me saying it out loud right now. Like, it's moving, it's sweet, Mm -hmm. it's actually enthralling to see how the relationship starts to deteriorate because she's getting all of this bad news about him. But it's like... But But it also feels like they're like, well, there's not enough of a complication in them just falling in love. So they want to have something else on top of that that elevates it, that escalates it, which is um, definitely something that I think of of older romantic comedies relying on it, like the slapsticks ones of like the uh, 50s and early 60s of like, there needs to be something else going on. Like Catherine Hepburn. Not, yeah. Like, it's not enough that um, Cary Grant wants to get out of this situation and doesn't want to fall in love. There needs to be another thing and another thing and another thing and another thing. Mm-hmm. Whereas I think of indie films in particular – more modern ones being able to just sit with the characters, Mm. but they don't tend to just do that as straightforward unless it's a coming-of-age film. And this is sort of, it's not a explicit 
coming of middle age film, mm. which is a whole genre. genre on its own. Yes, it is. It's kind of like a spin off of Midlife Crisis, I suppose, in terms mm-hmm. of like one of the things that you know makes me a bit more on board with the whole thing is that with our supporting cast, there's this really recurring theme of, like, divorce and second partners. Yes, and that marriage stinks. Marriage is awful. And... In this movie, just <laughs> absolutely well, specific- fucking trash. Well, specifically, first marriages. <laughs> yes, thank you, Tony Collette, in your natural accent. That um, was a wild ride. Yes. Yeah, but, like... Fran ended up with Peter because her first husband died. There you go. Yeah, yeah, that right? sucks. First marriages suck. <laughs> yeah, first marriages end yeah. in divorce or death. It's it's one of those things. Like when you finish watching the film, you notice that it was happening all along. And correct me if I'm wrong on this, but we never see a scene in this film that's not like Julia Louise Dreyfus's uh, perspective, right? I think that's she's correct. in every scene. Everything we see is every, things I think, that she sees. I'm pretty sure everything's from yeah. her point of view. Yeah. So realizing that. Uh, kind of reshaped me thinking throughout the film because going back to the whole burning thing, uh, everything is from her perspective. We never get, like, just James Gandolfini without her around. Mm. Um, I remember it was the scene uh, when they had the dinner with uh, her daughter with, like, you know, her father and their partner and the friends and all that. Um, A great scene. Oh, yeah, yeah. like, graduation dinner. Outside the restaurant when she's talking to her Mm. ex-husband, she asks him point blank, like, hey, do you ever talk about our marriage and me to your current wife? And he just straight up says, like, yeah, "Yeah, she's my wife. Of course I (laughs) would. And she's like, yeah, she's your wife. Of course. And then when they walk up to the car and they're having a conversation, it just, like, stays on Julia. um, and she's just, like, concerned and thinking. Mm-hmm. Like, that was a really powerful yeah. moment for me where it, really, where it was the realisation of, like, that is a really normal thing that happens. And But she's never but, moved on from the... This is her first and, time and it's, moving yeah. on. Yeah, and it's it's her realising that, like, you know, she you know she talks about people behind their back because it's, you know, normal that you do that. Mm-hmm. Um, like, ex-partners. And she realises, oh, this would happen to me as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and... I think she's also putting herself on the, like, what would it be like if I was on the other side of this? Exactly. Of, like, well, he would talk shit about me because we didn't work out and we shouldn't have been together, but that doesn't mean that I'm unlovable because he might think out of me and be shitty at me mm-hmm. because we didn't work together and that might be what he's saying to Fran but I know me mm-hmm. and <laughs> and Albert Albert's uh, ex-wife just straight up calls him a loser and so you have Julia imagining like oh am I being called that and then even at the, one of your favorite scenes Rachel talking about great acting because this movie really is about the the performances and how the camera will just stay on a character and let their the actor's face tell the whole story one of your favorite scenes Rachel when it came to the face journey is when the mother of the sister's friend comes in to be like hey do you know that this isn't your daughter, by the way? Hey, you have a daughter. She's mine. Don't give her sex advice, you fucking freak. Don't and then tell she calls her to sleep with her boyfriend. And then she calls her a dyke. And you just have that moment of Julie Lee Dreyfus just laughing her ass off. And then the laughter ends and it keeps going. The scene just keeps going of Julia's like, face oh, wait, being like, oh. Is that what people think of me? 
I'm the spinster, like I'm 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 the middle-aged woman who's divorced and I knit and I don't wear the sexy clothes and I don't date men. And I seemingly to this woman had a very close relationship to her young daughter. Oh, seemingly. Oh well, yeah, well, well <laughs> close in <laughs> yeah, I know, uh, I know. the other regard. Mm-hmm. And I just liked how in another film, it could have just cut with her laughing her ass off, like, oh, this woman's so stupid, ha ha. But oh, then it's she's just, homophobic. Oh, she's a bitch, ha ha ha. But then, no, allowing the camera to keep rolling and then Julia realizing, oh, and that's that there. That's the movie where it's just like, it could be funny and then it keeps going. And then there's a dawning realization of the reality that her character just doesn't understand around her because she is a. Oh, she's so self-centered. And naive at the same time. Yeah, because it's just like, oh, what what if this was me? This would make me sad. Well, yeah. Maybe I should stop doing it to somebody else. You would be self-centered if you're the focus of every scene. One of the one of the things that I, I really really liked my favorite scene. If we if we can just touch upon like our favorite scenes, my favorite actually uh, was when she was looking through her wedding album after that dinner, mm. and she was going through the photos, and and the daughter and her friend were asking yeah. why is she doing this, and she's just analyzing. Did I know? Did I know that it was doomed? Did I know that these things? Did that- I know that all of these things that we would end up fighting about? were there and they try to brush it off like no you wouldn't have known and she goes yeah no i think i did know i i I was pretty aware but it's hard to grasp the the with clarity the that that especially because it was a deep emotional connection at some point but when did it end and And, was it ever real and it links to other lines in the film that even like the ex-wife of albert had where it's like I don't know how I ever had a conversation with him, or I don't know mm. what I ever saw in him. It's like yeah. that love blinds you at the time. Yeah, mm. and there, there is many theories about that. Of like, when you're in love with somebody, you either you don't see their flaws the same way, and or to a degree you accept their flaws. Mm-hmm. And at the time when she was getting married, she was in love. So she saw him in that positive light and eventually that went away. Eventually the gripes and the negativity outweighed the love that they had for each other. That scene is really pivotal to me because, you know, I'm slamming the, the that Hollywoodism, uh, you know, concede at the center of it and it's because this type of scene is what i gravitate towards more where it's hitting upon a a theme that i haven't seen movies do before like i have not heard that type of conversation in a movie like this i've never heard that that before right it feels very very different realized and and what I guess what I want, the version of this movie I want, because you mentioned it, Rachel, like it has to have a complication, blah, 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 blah. I just want a slice of life movie. That's what I'm saying. Like, at the end of this, mm. if this was 
Bartek recommending it and it was an anime film made in 2011, it would just be their relationship and the most complicated thing was, oh, every now and then one of them turns into a wolf. Putting, putting <laughs> as- <laughs> And that doesn't actually matter to the plot. Putting aside, like, you know, my recommendations in anime, like, this is actually the same thing that you said when I recommended End of Watch, where the ending of that film's, like, really dramatic and sad and, you know, character dies and that. And you said on the episode, and I even agreed with you, even though I liked the film, uh, where it went was, you know, if the whole film was just them buddying around and the film just ends, they're still buddying around, like that would have been totally fine mm-hmm. because their chemistry is just that good. I think sometimes I get hung up, especially having to analyze things of just noticing the Hollywood mm. storytelling machinations, even in an indie film like this. Now, Bartek, what were some of your favorite moments or a scene that really stood out to you? Because you've been saying, like, since you've watched it, you've been mulling over this and it's been Mm. really rolling around in your brain. I wouldn't say that it's a single scene or even my favorite, but one thing that did kind of make me go like, oh, I wasn't expecting this, is there's a character in the film who, when they're introduced, they're kind of this sort of I guess, cringy sort of character. It's the Australian lady's uh, husband. Mm-hmm. So he's the guy who, like, you know, says these dumb things or the sure. things that are perceived. I find her attractive. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, perceived as dumb kind of things. And then they respond with, like, oh, because that's the way it's meant to be. Or it's like, mm-hmm. you don't, you shouldn't have to ask to, you know, help me. No clients things. don't hit on me. You make me <laughs> depressed yep. when you say these things. Yeah, for. I'd be worried if I got a boner. (laughs) Piece of trivia, he is the real-life husband of Melissa McCarthy. There you go. go. Um, So throughout the film, he's kind of treated this as, like, joke of, like, oh, he said a dumb thing again, or, like, oh, he just, he doesn't get it. He Mm. wants everything to be fair, and and he gets made fun of And that's one. that's one of the things I wanted to bring up, and it made me realise that a lot of these characters do actually, you get kind of their backstory and, like, their mode of thinking, so they... Bring up the fact, like, oh, he was the middle child. Uh, he got not enough fried chicken when <laughs> everyone got fried chicken, and he thinks that everything should be fair. And throughout the film, especially later on, when you have like the scene where Julia and Jim uh, come to the dinner with them, and mm-hmm. like you know, got the the bullying thing going on. Um, there are all these moments where you know she brings up the whispering thing, and he just has a straight up reaction of like, "Oh, that counts as whispering. Oh, that's fair." And like he's being. <laughs> You know, cordial and and you know, defending where defending's needed. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he's not like stroking her ego in the sense of like, yeah, that is kind of weird. And just seeing that, like, oh, this is actually you know, for a character that I was kind of dismissing or writing off as like, oh, it's the chick flick weird character. Mm-hmm. Um, he actually has a consistent personality going on. Um, and it's not sort of betraying the information that we were given earlier. And it made me realize, like, yeah, all the other characters sort of also have that going on. It goes back to his conflict that he has with the Tony Collette character, where he demands, like, he's saying, you need to learn to step up in this way. You need to fire this maid if you really want her gone. And by the end, Tony Collette still can't do that. But what, to your point, too, is there's a marvelous moment where. Uh, uh, Julia is talking to Jim, Uh, they have a moment when she bring, and he's asking her all the same questions about her job as the the Ben Falcone character. He asks, like, do they hit on you? Do they do this? Do they do that? And she answers differently to him. She gives him, like, she doesn't rebuff him and treat him like an idiot. And that's because, and I think this ties into the, the photograph scene of 
she has feelings for for yeah, for for him, so she but... will answer in a more honest and maybe less abrasive way. But for this guy, the guy that you looked at as like initially as like this, just, you dismiss him as a character. It's because they both are at that stage where it's like yeah. they don't need to care about him as a person. Because so he's what he stands- asked those questions before, mm-hmm. and he's asked them over and over and over again. You get that feeling that he always goes back to these basic questions of like. But bonus, right? <laughs> or when he comments like, that she's hot. Everything is about sex with him to the point where it's just frustrating and exhausting for the two of them. And I think that the, making every scene follow our lead character be in her shoes and have these people like him or, or like... James Gandolfini, these guys, have these very simple worldviews of like what's right, what's fair, what's good, what's wrong, what's bad, what's nice, all of that, can really uh, lean into sometimes in a long-term relationship, you, you kind of you kind of feel these things a little bit, like whether it is male, female, or just one person in the relationship, it feels like they can get away with doing shittier things. And the other person is sitting there going, why is that the case? Like the iconic uh, scene with Tony Clinton making the joke about like first marriages are the worst blah 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 second ones are better and you have that just quick shot of ben falcone giving her the side eye look of like what i'm your first marriage like that kind of thing. <laughs> come on but, don't throw me under the bus like that but that's why this movie really works because throughout all of it you get to the point where james go james gandolfini figures it out under the dinner scene and he just says like this isn't fair to me you doing this is just the status quo of you in the relationship, but that's not right. You shouldn't be acting like this. This isn't nice. I thought you cared about me. And that can but be... you were letting her thoughts poison our relationship. And I thought there was an us. I thought that you would want to protect the we, our relationship, and you didn't. Mm. And... When you're in relationships, like it can feel like that a little sometimes. So that was again a level of uh, perspective, like that certain type of perspective is not one that I see in a lot of these type of movies. In a lot of these type of movies, it is like, oh, you liar! Reveal how could you? But I love you. We meet at the airport. When she went to the airport with her daughter, I, I, I clenched my fist, being like. He better not. James Gandolfini better not be at the same fucking airport mm. at the same time, and they end in the airport romance. And they didn't, thank Christ. Now, Rachel, for you, did you have a, a go-to scene, one that you really liked, one that you really gravitated towards? Um, uh, there were a couple. There were a couple. Um, <laughs> like I, I was really drawn to the ones with him and her. I really liked the moment where they're like, he's like, would you like a kiss? Because <laughs> he, got, he got shot down when he tried to give her a kiss at the end of their first date. Mm. Um, but that I liked the way that they played the chemistry in that scene because at the start, Neither of them want to show how much they like the other person. 
So they're both being like a little bit reserved and then they actually get into the kiss and then they both get a bit carried away and then they start laughing and it pauses and then they go back into it. That felt like a very natural thing to happen. It's full of little... It was sweet. I was going to say, it's full of little touches, such as when Julia Louis-Dreyfus came back home and she just sat on her daughter's bed and looked at her while she was asleep and that was just... It, the camera kept rolling and then it eventually cut and we moved on and that, that told you everything you needed to know. And one of my other favourite scenes, my, my you know Jim Gandolfini talking about them as a couple being together, was when he was touring her around where he worked and explaining his job and just the passion he had for it and and just her genuinely interested. This wasn't a case of like, oh, okay, whatever, kooky, or I'm, you know, cynical old Elaine Bennis from Seinfeld. Like, this was, she was actually interested and just was surprised by how vast of a knowledge he had, and she thought this was a cool job, and that there is then later rebuffed by the ex-wife who's like, he's like, oh, she thought my job was stupid, like, didn't serve any point. And it's like, what? And that was just marvelous stuff i just really was every scene with them on a date or hanging out their dinner their dinner at the club and the music starts playing and he's like oh i chose the wrong place <laughs> that was the wrong restaurant there, there was so a lot sorry. of there was a lot of things that like if you reframe the film was like oh this is going to be like a teen film like they'll be a bit more like uh judgy about like the decision like oh, he took me to a restaurant he tried to kiss me on the first date that kind of thing but because they are both divorcees you know they're Hopefully, you know, fan headcanon, they're going to a second marriage. Mm. Um, you know, they they know, I guess they know the tropes of, you know, relationships blooming. It's like, ah, uh, like she had the whole thing where, like, when he tried to kiss her in the car, she was like, I I actually don't know if I want this or not. Like, mm-hmm. it's not straight up no. I, this, I don't know. No, I'm not ready and for was, this yet. And there was, like, a real understanding between them. Yeah. And, uh, I another moment that I really liked between the two of them uh was the awkward almost sex scene where it's just like they just can't get into the groove cuz she's got what his ex-wife said that he was a clown in bed <laughs> <laughs> in her head and it's like he's pretty much doing the exact same things that he was before in their successful <laughs> scenes but now because she's in her head and she's worried about it and she's not in it with him, then the awkwardness comes in. And then then she's, like, thinking about thinking about it, thinking about it, and he's just left going, like, what's going on here? Hmm. It is important that it's about people at this stage of their lives where their social groups, as well as romantic and family, is getting smaller and smaller because... It's a story about two people who haven't been on the dating scene in a very long time, but they're full-grown adults who have children and have a wife or partner previously. Like, they have done it before, but now you have to do it again. And it's it's that thing of, like... They're not building a life. They have their lives, and they're trying to bridge two existing ones together. And it's that, like, she goes through, is it worth it? Like, do I want to spent all this time and energy 
to then have it fall apart because it's already happened once. But even on 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 top of that, her and the ex-wife they both say like, "I have no friends. You're my only friend," and it's like. That's sad, but like that's a part of life too. When you get Me older, Joni Mitchell, your 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 friendships dwindle over time for whatever the reason for a lot of people. So connections in any way you really want to maintain, and that's why she's in this friendship, even though she knows she's dating the ex husband. It's like she doesn't want to lose either of them. She's trying to have the best of both worlds, but then she becomes pig headed about it and a bit, you know. Drunk with power on it, and it all culminates in that that glorious but painful to watch dinner scene where she's just ragging on him and treating him like calorie garbage, calorie book, and just like everything. And it goes, it gives you that feeling of, oh, these are all of the things. Like this is the way that his ex wife would have acted. At yeah. a dinner party of like sitting there and judging him with the guacamole and like needling him about every single thing and like what he eats him and- just sort of taking it and refusing to be rude. He doesn't have bedside in front tables. of people. Yeah, and that's what makes another thing that's really fun and feels like real is his sense of humor where he would constantly like wind her up with a lie and then reveal like ah, you think i weave <laughs> fuck you, you stupid or like the very end that's how the very end works i got those bedside tables oh that's great and then you believe me and she just laughs laughs her ass mm. off like it's a, it's about acceptance as we as we go forward in it. Now, Bartek, you are not so familiar with James Gandolfini. Like you no, said, this yeah. is the first time you've seen him in something in particular, leading role. In The Sopranos, what makes The Sopranos so great is Tony Soprano is a complicated character because he can be sweet like this. There's whole because he's a family man, like he's got a wife and he's got kids and he's a gangster who kills people. And what makes it really and he goes through to therapy and because of james gandolfini you get these complex thing feelings about following a guy who's a sleazy person who kills people and has violent outbursts because you see these type of elements in him but instead this is a whole movie where it's like wouldn't it be nice if we got to see the the really exuberant wholeheartedly sweet nuanced person and in Sopranos you only see slivers of that but I just want to hear from you when it comes to both James Gandolfini and you know Julie Louis-Dreyfus you're familiar with you've seen her and stuff you're you're familiar with Seinfeld Seinfeld she was in A Bug's Life yeah she was she was in A Christmas Vacation that's another one she's in a whole she's got a very big career of her own but I just want to hear from you when it comes to to both these actors like what did you think of their performances more so uh, standout bits that they gave us. Yeah, and You've touched on that you liked their chemistry. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I just want to hear from you when it comes to your relationship in this movie with these two actors and what they were given us. Again, like, I really didn't know much about James Gandolfini other than, like, you know, he exists, I know what he looks like, he's known for The Sopranos, um, and I, you know, like, with, there's a lot of actors that I'm aware of, but I haven't seen them in anything until I look up filmography. It's like, oh, they were technically in this. Or like, oh, yeah, I remember. They were that character. They were good. Um, so this really kind of has opened my eyes to a new performer, sort of. 
Um, and when I was reading up about the film afterwards and I read, like, unfortunately, this is one of his last roles before his death, like, that actually shocked me because I'm like, oh, he's dead? Yeah. Shit, I didn't know that. He died, yeah. like, less than a year after the film was released or something? Or No, he never got to see it. No, so after, after they filmed, finished yeah. filming it, after yeah. After they wrapped. So that was, yeah, really sad. But I would be keen to see him in more things because, like, what I was given here really, really liked. Yeah. And then just reading, like, oh, the real guy was, like, uncomfortable with fame and he was pretty shy and soft-spoken. Mm-hmm. Um, was nervous about doing a role like this. Was nervous about doing a role like this. And there, there was, like, a quote from one of his co-stars on The Sopranos mm-hmm. where it was like, I never saw the full film, but I saw the trailers and that that was that was Jim. That was Jim. That was my friend. Ryan read that out to me after we finished it mm. and I teared up. Like, I was almost fully crying mm. hearing that trivia because I was like, that's devastating. Yeah. There are actors or performers or creative people where... And we've talked about this many times on the podcast, more so with like character actors who are like usually the supporting roles, not your leading roles like like James was at a certain point in his career, where when they pass away, it's like it's a great sorrow that's there because not only, you know, this person is no longer with us, but we won't get to see them perform and they filled a certain type of role that nobody else is and like I keep saying there's so many things in this movie that I just don't see in other movies and just casting someone like James Gandolfini to be in this role is not something I ever see in any other fucking movies. It's like usually Matthew McConaughey or like Bradley Cooper or like handsome, conventionally handsome yeah. guys. And they try to make them schlubby and be like, Oh geez. Like, and- no, but Jim looked like a bit of a loser. <laughs> like he's a big guy, balding, balding, when I, when I big the- beard. You know, like, but he was still as charismatic as all of these other contemporaries mm. that take up this genre. When I read in the trivia that apparently the Albert role was written for Louis C.K., it was this mm. kind of thing of like, oh, I, I can see why, but I also can't imagine it. No, this is really I don't weird. want to. <laughs> well, because of what I was given here, I obviously don't want yeah. to either. But. But still, it's like, oh, that, yeah, that, I guess that would be interesting. Yeah. I can kind of see what they were going for. <laughs> and what about our lead, Julia Louis-Dreyfus? She is more known to you, and especially for yeah. doing a specific type of character, so you may have had a little bit of a, like, oh, I know I, what to expect from her. I mean, obviously I've seen Seinfeld, and I mentioned Bugs Life. I'm not entirely sure of what else I've seen her in. Um, but, you know, Seinfeld, that's a lot of episodes, so I have an idea of what she does, you know, in my head. Um, and obviously comedic role, like there's a laugh track around every other line, mm-hmm. what I was kind of expecting here. But yeah, this was a really, really human performance. Like, I don't think I teared up, but there were some moments with her where it was just like, oh my God. Just it's like, stop, like when <laughs> I remember two ones were like when she was leaving after the scene at his house where the daughter was like, he really liked you, you know, it's like, yeah, me too. Um, and also when she was in her daughter's room while she was packing and she was like, oh, I think it was like, can I, I think it was hug like you. asking for a hug or something. Yeah, and, the daughter was, and the daughter was like, oh, I, I don't want to right now. And then it just cut back to Julia, like looking sad. And it's like, oh, but she's gone through so much. She really wants the hug right <laughs> like, now. She needs the hug. She needs the she hug. She needs the hug. Like, yeah, she, all of this is, you know, coming back to get her, but there is a real 
like human and understandable uh, insecurity in her that led her to yeah. doing all this. Like we have that whole breakup scene where the, earlier I said it was like phrased really well, where she brought up like, yeah, a new relationship, moving forward in life. You know, I want to know if this is something that will make me happy. I want to know if this is something worth pursuing. And then James Gandolfini responds with the question of, uh, I'm trying to remember the line, um, why would you want to poison that, basically? Mm. Um, and she says, like, I don't know. And it's just this, you mentioned before, like, she was kind of drunk with power. I'm kind of thinking more in video game terms, like, she was using cheat codes and, mm-hmm. you know, she didn't learn the proper way to do things and it's coming back to bite her here. Yeah, but it's just like, well, she got to the point where she was like, I don't want I don't want either of these relationships to end and I don't want to have to say anything to either of these people because it will make the relationships end. Enough <laughs> <laughs> mm, said. So... That's why, like, she doesn't say anything, and you understand that. And you understand that she's in conflict about it. There's a point early on, like, when she discovers mm. that they're, you know, ex-partners, the ex-wife and James Gandolfini, that it's it's a sense of, like, oh, yeah, this could go wrong if you, like, keep the lie up going yeah. forward. But you can bring it up at any point now, and it yeah. should be kind of all like, right. Like, can you believe The it's- longer you keep it going, yeah. like, when she hears the voicemail, mm. it's just like, yeah, well, I'm, there's... I'm surprised that that never got a call back that's, that's in that like, scene, the realisation scene. That's like, okay, well, we're way too far now. Yeah, no like, more... Like, that was your final chance. Pl- plausible deniability's gone, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I really love the way that he responds to her of, no, you knew what you should do. Mm. You just didn't do it. Yeah, there's no excuse. Like, you you knew yeah. what you were doing was wrong. Yeah, again. Uh, you knew how to fix it. You just didn't do it because you didn't want to. And he had this funny. Bit, Own it. He had this funny lead up to that where he's like, oh, she needed some massages. Because <laughs> Tony Collette has the same thing of like, well, looking at it, like, there are other masseuses. And like, you're there not are. the only one. And like, yeah, uh, yeah, you're totally a great masseuse. But the fact that she has a bad shoulder and needs massages is not a reason for you to keep yeah. doing this lie. It, it really does live in this very sweet spot of the characters are uh, unlikable people like all of like not him he's the he's a likable guy but like all of the characters are kind of unlikable his daughter's unlikable her daughter's a bit like all of them are but it they're all inherently watchable and you grow to care for them because like she like Julia Dreyfus is a, a reprehensible in this. Like it's what she's doing is awful, and the ex-wife. I don't know if I would be able to forgive her. The, the ex-wife is, I I would say, a bad person. Like every pretty much every scene we had with her is like another level of her being a bad person. But like I know why she's that way. Like I get it. But it lives in this sweet spot where it's like. If you're on the wavelength, you'll enjoy that. That's when we did, I keep bringing up 20, 20th century women, but like that was a disconnect for me where it's like, I didn't give a fuck about those people as much because mm. they were like a bunch of rich assholes moaning about their lives. And I couldn't connect with them as strongly as the movie wanted me to. And I think I could see people being drawn 
like put off by this movie for similar reasons, but I think it's far more keenly aware and less in overtly in love with the characters themselves and more just critical of them. Like they're the only character I think the movie truly loves is Albert. I think yeah. the movie like like we love Albert. This movie has like he's never really a bad guy. Like he's just he's the real victim in the movie of everything. Well, yeah. I, I kept feeling so bad for him. I never had a moment where it's like, oh I can see why that's actually a bad thing. Well, go- it's like, oh no, he has too many mouthwashes. Awesome. And toothbrushes. <laughs> They're my friends. <laughs> <laughs> that, we never got, that never, that plot point never developed. He never got his massage. I we want never to know s- more about the mouthwashes and toothbrush friends. Yeah, well, he had to get his <laughs> tooth fixed. Yeah. Um, one, uh, oh, that, yeah, that was a thing. Yeah. And, uh, related to the teeth. Yeah, yeah and then after, that. he had to get his nose fixed. Oh, this film gets another point in my book. <laughs> um, <laughs> he never got a massage. We never saw him get a massage from her. It happened and, as the camera was fading out. And he never got to meet the daughter. True, true. She left the the town. Um, one other line that kind of had like a dark ring after I finished the film and was thinking back on it was when she was hanging out with the ex-wife. Um, the ex-wife was saying something like, oh, I'm being a total bitch right now. I'm sorry about that. And she's like, no, no, you can bitch at me. Mm-hmm. That kind no, no, of... No, keep going, keep going. <laughs> I am here for intel. Give it to me. Well, that's, yeah, that's kind of what the line rings as after you see the whole film. It's like, oh, that... But at that point, correct, I might be misremembering how much of the film happened at that point. Like, if she knew or I think not. she did know at that point. She yeah. did? Okay, mm-hmm. that kind of undermines my point. But that kind of spurned on the ex-wife character to, mm. you know, keep saying all the things she was saying because uh, I feel like one point that the film is making, and this goes back to the whole thing about we're only seeing it from Julia's perspective, is that all of these characters do live lives outside of what we see on screen and we get a little bit of dynamics uh, that, you know, we might not be expecting uh, from these characters when we're just looking at them as movie characters. So... We have James Gandolfini, uh, you know, talking to his daughter. It's that whole idea of, like, the the personas that we have. We are different versions of ourselves for every, you know, person that we know and talk to or type of person that we talk to. Um, We do get this sense of, like, oh, yeah, yeah, he's got a whole dynamic with his daughter that we only see little bits of. He's probably feels like a completely different sort of person in these scenes. And her dynamic is different with her mother. Yeah, and it even goes back to, you know, this is kind of a point I already made, but, like, the the Australian lady's uh, husband, where it's like, yeah, yeah, there is reason for why this guy is like he is, and he probably has personality going there. Um, And we kind of also have that with the, well, sorry, the point is we don't have that with the ex-wife because we only see her chatting with Julia. Like when we do have the scene, the realization scene where it's like, oh, you know each other, there is actually a cordial dynamic between her and James Gandolfini. So it's like, oh, she's, you know, she's bitching about all these things from the marriage, but that's only because that's the topic right now. When they're together, it's not like they're at each other's throats or reminding each other about like all oh, the things we. It's hate not about like each other. Julia's relationship with her ex-husband, where no. she's like, "I don't want, the, don't get more bread. No one's going to eat it. It's just going to be me." Like they mm. go back into their. You clearly yeah. know why their mm. relationship fell apart when they're together, mm. but with James and, and his ex-wife, they, you don't see that as strongly because also we don't see it. No, but we do because get Julia that doesn't on see the it. Phone. Your phones are different, though. But that idea. Of like they're still interacting with each other in the same way. She's retreating. Oh, that's He's a good reaching point. I forgot about the phone. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He's like, we haven't resolved this, 
but of course you're going to ignore me now. Yeah, I forgot about that. To I was, be just, fair, curi- but, I was yeah. just curious because, you know, both of you come from, you know, households where your parents both have divorced and both have, like, either moved on mm. or have gone into areas of exploring romance with people after a while and or more recently. And I was just thinking, like, for you two guys, because I haven't experienced that, mm. what was it like watching this movie in that view? Like, did you did it make you think about, like, what it was like for your parents at all when it comes to having to enter a new phase of life after having been in a marriage where they've had kids and everything as well? Like, did you guys have any connection on that level or any thought about it by any chance? Because, I like, as somebody who's not from that, I kept thinking, like, I wonder what my opinions of this movie would be like if I was either someone who's divorced, blah, 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 or someone from a family where the parents were like, like had gone through this phase. Ryan's parents are happily married, everyone. Yes. (laughs) Just not legally. I said married. I didn't say happily. (laughs) Um, But any, anything from you guys? Um, Yeah. Well, having, you know, entered adulthood, obviously there are things, for, re- for the reference point, my parents divorced when I was about nine or ten, so like grade three, grade four time. Uh, Not dissimilar to how old Ellen would have been when Ava and Peter split in the movie. Uh, possibly, yeah, because she I, said it's been like five, ten years or so. Oh, ten years? Yeah, it's been like ten years, and yeah. she's heading off to Yeah, yeah, college. yeah. She would have been like grade two, grade three, probably. Yeah. Um. Yeah, so I was, you know, ten years old, basically, maybe just nine going on ten. Um. And obviously I got a bit more of an altered version of events of like, oh, this is why, you know, we're divorcing things like that. And having grown up into adulthood, I have gotten more like actual honest things about like, oh, why the divorce happened, things like that. Um, the way that it was framed when I was a child, I'm not going to get into the specifics, obviously, but it, it seemed to be framed more as like, oh yeah, this element, this element, like really focusing in on little things of like, oh, fell out of love, met someone else. And this is why this and this happened. Um, and then having entered adulthood, getting a bit more like, oh, no, look, there were things going on even before those things that you always were told. Um, there were also, yeah, little, well, littles, no, underselling it. There were also other family members who had, like, not so uh, cordial opinions about the divorce, which really shaped the whole thing, where it was like, oh, man, mm. these guys are really bitter about the divorce. I still love both my parents. Uh, they don't hate each other, you know, they're so complicated feelings like that, which I guess this film didn't go into as much because there wasn't really extended families. It just seemed to be couples. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. So in terms of that, I mean, there have been early on when the divorce happened, there was a little bit of miscommunication between my parents at certain points where, Mm. again, won't get into it, miscommunications, but then going forward, throughout, you know, growing up life. Mm -hmm. That's my phrasing of it. Uh, There were times where it's like, oh, wow, I wasn't expecting that. Like, this might sound a little bit funny, but you know that my mom's a big fan of Prince, right? Yes. When Prince died, I think she told me that my dad actually texted her to say, like, hey, how are you going? You all right? Mm -hmm. 
Um, a couple of months ago, my grandmother in Poland, my dad's side, passed away, and my mum's like, "Oh, I'll message mm. dad and like ask him how he's going," because obviously, you know, that was her mother-in-law for a while. Yeah. Um, and even when my dad was down here, like a month or two ago, there was one time where he came over, and my mum happened to be home, where they had like a quick little friendly interaction. It was like, "Oh yeah, this is a really." A far cry from like the early divorce moments right. where there was a bit of confusion going on, um, and so that and kind also of finding your way into a new dynamic in an old relationship mm. is really complicated. Yeah. I was going to say too, uh, you know, your 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 mother. You know, I mean, both your your parents have have moved on and found other relationships mm-hmm. over, over time. And I know, you know, more more recent years, it's been very much like you talking to me about your your mum's slowly growing relationship and blah, and you you commenting about like seeing your mum kind of change a bit while that that kind of happens in front of you and just yeah. your relationship with your mother changing as that goes on and such. And that's kind of like what I meant as well when it comes to this movie because that's like a huge part of the movie is yeah. like it's like a mix of growing up and the relationship. Yeah, right. Yeah, and it's also. Them growing and altering in their relationships with their children Mm. as well. Like, I really liked the scene where Ellen crawls into bed with her mum, seeking out this moment of connection, (laughs) and her mum pushes it. She's like, What did you eat yesterday? Banana. Where did you get a banana? It's like, I don't know what to say about that. I don't know where bananas came from. They just exist. I just had a banana. That was a funny scene. I like that scene. That reminds me of your mum, Rachel, where you will be like cuddling with your mum and then she'll just say, hey, what did you do the other day? <laughs> like, oh, oh, you mean like when we were getting ready to get married, it was like two days before our wedding, I couldn't sleep freaking awful sleeping arrangement at your mom's and place. I was stressed out crawled into bed with my mom and she's just like I'm worried about you <laughs> I'm like oh thanks mom okay. I'm looking for you comfort right now you need to lose some weight thanks mom bye <laughs> and it's like thanks thanks I mean Rachel more recently with you you've your your, your mom's been kind of going through what you know, Julia's yeah. going through of like trying to find love again and being but like, eh, not tentative. fully. Yeah. Like, yeah, like, um, I definitely, I want to touch on the early days of the divorce, which is like kind of what Bartek was touching on, mm. of like how watching your parents as divorced people change their relationship over time, and those moments of connection that happen. And but also, like I want to acknowledge that some of the times, like you end up being that bridge mm. of like one parent will ask about the other. It's because it's just like, well, we're both in your lives, and it's like, well, you live with your mom, so I'm gonna ask about your mom <laughs> or about my ex in laws, um, and the way that it, like with my parents as well, it's become more positive as you've gone on, which I think we see in the comparison between the stage of um, Albert's relationship and Ava's relationship, where they still, like, she still bickers with her ex-husband, but they're much more cordial to each other 
than Albert and his uh, wife. Yeah, because mm. it's a difference of like six years of perspective. Yeah, and it's funny too because she brings up that they had very different ideas on how to be parents. Yeah, and yet the scenes we have of the ex-husband, because I, I, I mean. I was expect I one I didn't expect him to show up because he was just gone for he wasn't in it for ages yeah, and then when he did was, show up oh. I wasn't expecting that type of characterization from him no. but but in terms of how the movie framed him because the movie didn't treat him like he was shit no. the movie treated him like he's a good dad as well like it's not like oh she's a bad mum and he's a good dad or vice versa and it's funny because yeah it's like you see, everybody actually, is shit, but nobody's a bad person. They actually do good parenting when they're not married. It seems, yeah. but when they were together, they were super focused on like this is how we parent in the household. But fighting maybe, over how to parent. Maybe yeah. them and and I mean, also the fact that like dealing with a younger child, there's more active mm-hmm. parenting decisions that are being made for the first time and as well. You mentioned being the bridge fact. I mean, I mean, parts are clearly for you. That's a little obvious when your dad like. Outside of you guys and some other family members, why would he ever come to Australia, really? That's kind of me with Poland. <laughs> and you with yeah. Poland. And you with Poland. I've always, uh, growing up, like, I always said, like, oh, you, I've been to Poland multiple times. Like, the sites and stuff there doesn't really interest me. That's just where I have extended family, like, yeah. mostly my dad's side. Yeah. Although you, every time you do mention Poland, you're like, well, there is this nice, and you'll mention some cafe or restaurant yeah, or, or something. The, the great Indian place. <laughs> yeah, so, but... Uh, uh, Stare Miasto's nice. <laughs> uh, but to... it. it didn't make me think about my mum's romantic endeavours when I was watching it as much, but it did. I was thinking about it afterwards and the fact uh, that they don't really touch on how Ellen feels about the relationship. We get more of Tess's perspective with the, like, he really liked you and, like, understanding that, he was open with his daughter about their relationship. Well, yeah, the, and for obvious reasons, Ava wasn't with her daughter. She didn't even let him meet her, and vice versa. Like she seems pissed off at the fact that her mum is now got this new surrogate like my daughter. My friend got to meet her, got to meet him, and have breakfast with him, but I didn't. It was, yeah, it was an interesting angle in the movie. Uh, One of the, I think the major last thing I wanted to bring up, and I mentioned this before we recorded, uh, technology, technology. This is a movie where, I've mentioned this on the pod, like with Seinfeld, a lot of problems would be solved with modern technology, like phones and stuff. Like if I found out that the person I'm dating had an ex and they gave me a description, I'd probably cyber-stalk the person I'm dating to see the ex. Right. And that never comes up. And, like, I know that it exists, but, like, if you said to me right now, Ryan, nobody used a mobile phone in this movie, I would believe you. And in a way... They use Skype. I know, I know. But, like, in a way, this movie lives in a... In a timeless bubble because there's there's no photos of Tess around. Yeah. There's 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 a version of this where it would have focused on the 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 dating angle of like your middle aged person getting back in the scene and you you have to text people and (laughs) like how we do it these days. Oh, I've never had to like there's a dumb version of this movie where James Gandolfini's clumsily learning how to sext someone (laughs) and Julia Louis Dreyfus being like, Oh, I don't want that. Like that's what I'm saying. Like 
in a way, them not doing what would have been the obvious thing to do in 2013, 2014, is making this movie so much more relevant to me because there's so many like that that have the they feel the need Mm -hmm. that they have to touch upon this and i go i don't i mean you got mail (laughs) you could you could easily replace because there's like a minor minor running joke in the early half of the film about like you know the kids these days do threesomes that was a great joke where it's like his reaction to that when she just says they're probably having threesomes like why would you say that that she he she asks him do you do you think you're asking if my daughter is having threesomes i hear that they're doing that these days and he's like oh god like in like again in another version of the film you could easily rewrite that you know, callback joke into being about like sexting or something like modern day. Like, do you think she's been sent dick? Sent dick pics. She saw his dick uh, very early on. <laughs> that was a great scene too, where he's in his pajama pants. Do you know how many dating sites that he's subscribed to or like joined? But I think that's all I've got to say about enough said. I I very much enjoyed it. I thought it was very pleasant. I thought it was like funny and insightful and. He makes me respect these actors so, so much. Apparently, the the director of this and Julia Louis-Dreyfus have a movie out this year. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's, uh, I think it's called, like, You Hurt My Feelings or something like that, where the premise is, I just gave it, I just read a quick synopsis of it, which is a, like, a, a, a writer finds out, like, over, accidentally overhears her husband negatively speaking about her latest book. And it sends her on edge. And I'm like, I could already, like, if it's made mm. by this person and it's got yeah. Julia in it, I want to watch that movie. A premise like that from the person that made this film, like, there's there's potential there. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I recommend it. Bartek, you? I recommend it too. Again, this film really surprised me. And just, like, I watched it probably, like, eight hours ago and just over time keep thinking about it. Just like, yeah, this was really well put together, even talking about it right now. Like... I'll be honest, I'm a little discombobulated because we brought up the whole divorce stuff. So, like, mm-hmm. some of the stuff we've been talking about since then, I'm, like, was lost in my head thinking about, like, oh, yeah. Uh-huh. Oh, well, yeah, yeah. Oh, yes, I agree. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, yeah, this was really good. Um, we, I mentioned before that, like, oh, I almost hesitate to call this, like, uplifting because it gets so real near the end. Mm. Like, I was... maybe like half expecting the film to actually not end with them getting together um so when we had the scene of like oh you know i i just drive by a house normally i don't really park out here it's like oh yeah i I do that too (laughs) and they sit down and have this honest conversation it's it gave me this feeling of like again going back to that whole thing we don't see his side of the story we don't see what he's gone through in the months that have happened since the breakup it totally makes sense that he would reflect and have his own sort of like mental journey of, you know, what do do I want this to continue? And, you know, seeing her again, facing her sitting down like they did earlier in the film, laying out these honest feelings towards each other. It was like, yeah, he, I, I can see an alternative version of this film where they don't get together, but it's totally fair that he would want to get back together because, Mm -hmm. you know, he can't lie to his own feelings. So, yeah, I this is this film surprised me. It was deeper than I thought it would be. It's a pretty good film. I do recommend it. It doesn't even end on a definite they've gotten back together. It's yeah. left on a the door is open again. Yeah, exactly. 
And that's the way you end a movie like this, where the conflict that they had is one that's completely justifiable for them not being together, but what we have seen, you want them to get together. So it's not a sellout of the dramatic stuff. Rachel, do you recommend Enough Said, or did you want to stick your fingers in you too badly to recommend it to somebody else? <laughs> no, I I think you should give it a shot. I'm glad that I've I've come back round to it. I fully get why I decided to leave it where I did because you brought up that like that discovery is a point where you either buy in or you don't and I noped out. <laughs> <laughs> but there is a lot here and I think that it's a very it's a film that's worth your time if you're open to it. Yeah. That that is enough said. Uh, brilliant, brilliant little movie. And I just want to uh, uh, comment on something. I was talking to our good friends over at the Contrarians, mm-hmm. and Julio said to me, "Alex will be very sad if you badmouth this movie. If you if you slam this movie, Alex will be very sad." And so I hope Alex has listened to this, and I hope he's not crying. Uh, from me being slamming of it, because we, we were very, very nice to it overall. I, yeah, so uh, listening people's recommendation is next, and we have Rachel here. Uh, she's got a movie to, to, to lob our oh, way, to wow. throw at us. Our first listening people choice person has a film for us. Yes, I don't know what it is. I said, hey, Rachel, you remember you're recommending a movie? And she looked at me and said, oh, yeah. It's The Dark Knight. <laughs> <laughs> we go in reverse order. <laughs> So, Rachel, <laughs> what have you got for us today? I'm so tempted to change it now. <laughs> no, don't. don't. I don't want to watch The Dark Knight. It's too scary. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Where's Rachel? <laughs> There's Rachel in that movie. Is that why you want to recommend it? No. Okay. So what are you recommending? Um. So, Ryan, I'm going to quiz you and see if you can figure it out. Bartek, you're 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 also <laughs> available to do the quiz because it is a competition. Okay. All right. So, so this is a threesome. I am particularly drawn to certain genres. Rom coms is one of those. Mm-hmm. What is one of the others? Bartek, what do you think? Uh, genres? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I hit the Genre- mic. Genres or types of films? Um. Okay, you didn't like Urutsuki Doji, Legend of the Demon Wound. So not porn. So not not porn. Um, (laughs) She's squeaking like a trolley. She's laughing because it's true, yeah. She she doesn't like it. She doesn't like porn. It's bad for you. If I made the joke, oh, she loved it, then she'd be like... She gags Um, for it, yeah. You... uh, You like... Uh, cutesy films. Like, you've got tattoos of, like, Ponyo and, mm-hmm. like, another Ghibli character. Yeah. So, uh, cutesy films like that. You could have just said, is it is it a Ghibli movie? You could have just ended could it have there. Been, could have been Ghibli yeah, film. Yeah, it's It's not a Ghibli film. Yeah. Um, is it an animated movie? No. Okay. Oh, is it a musical? No. Oh. Is it... Porn. Right, <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I, I don't know if you know that she actually doesn't like porn. She, it makes her gag. Mm. <laughs> she hates it. She, and she doesn't burp. No, it is a kid's movie. 
children's film. Is it a cutesy kids film? I would say that it's pretty cute. Oh, so I, I got is, it right. Is it one I've seen? Yes. Is it one Bartok's seen? I think so. Okay. So it can't it's be, not animated. So it can't be mm. Jumanji then. No. <laughs> um, when was it made? Was it in the Munez era? Was it in the um, 90s? 90s. A lot of kids' movies in the 90s, and we haven't done it on the pod. Only 90s kids. I, I am fairly certain that you haven't. Okay. I'm going to be really embarrassed. <laughs> okay, I'm ready. I'm ready to hear what it is, and then I will laugh if okay, it's one I'm, we've done. I'm going give to you, give you a hint. It's got Magda in it. Magda's... Oh, Babe. Babe. We're doing Babe. Babe. Pig okay. in the City. No, just Babe. Just Babe. Magda Szubanski. Yeah. The yeah. Polish lady. Uh-huh. And James Cromwell. Hmm. Ah, babe, babe, have you ever watched Babe? I think when I was really young, I le- I definitely have seen snippets of it. I don't know if I've seen the full thing. It's one of George Miller's favorite movies. He he got he loved it so much he directed the second one. So there cool. you go, Babe, everyone, the Talking Pig movie that will do. Thank you so much for joining us, Rachel. Uh, thank you so much, everyone out there, for listening and engaging with us. You can find us on your social medias under uh, Spit and Polish Presents. On Twitter and Facebook is where we uh, preside and rule with an iron fist. Uh, Bartek likes to make funny posts on there on time to time. When you click on our Twitter ones, you'll see alternative text that Bartek writes. And uh, if, I, it's, I want, if it's my week to do I, I want but people to note them down because they're mm. really funny. And so oh, there you, you go. I've I've a laugh, and once you told me about it, I I started noticing. I'm like, oh, these are funny, because I didn't know, I didn't notice, I, I wasn't clicking, I I didn't realize that was a function. So there you are. But uh, it, it's it's misusing the purpose of the function. So if you, no, it isn't. Don't say that. If you're visually impaired in any way, I'm sorry. <laughs> but if you, you like... know what, I don't think you are sorry. <laughs> I don't believe. But you. if you like, well, I guess if if I'm still doing it, then I guess that's true. But if you like comedy, uh, well, I mean. Maybe you like Just it. Just <laughs> like Ava. You know what you're meant to do and you're choosing not to. I can't help it if people don't like my poetry or don't understand it, okay? You're a complex man. You Wait, can... shit, Ava, that's Marianne. Ah, there you go. Damn. Daniel. I didn't make that up. I didn't make up Dan Daniel. No, you, but you did make up Damn Daniel? Sorry, I'm... I'm laughing. I remembered my mouse hunt one, so I'm laughing. <laughs> and there you go. That's how we end this. With Bartek being like, I, no, I you end with that. a... <laughs>